Welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast, episode number 50. My name is Phil, and joining me as usual, I've got my partner in crime here, Rohan. How's it going? Good, thanks. And joining us, uh, another fellow Aussie today, I've got Peter joining us. Hey, Peter. Good morning, or good evening, Phil. How are you? <laughs> I'm very good, thank you. Lots of time zones going on at the moment, so we're all a bit all over the shop at the moment. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily and securely access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that also supports the Home Assistant project. The configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. All right. Uh, I think we've got a, a new segment, Rahan, we're going we're gonna to bring in. It's uh, what has the cloud broken this week for the Internet of Things? <laughs> Oh my gosh. And, and, and in <laughs> this week's case, there's so much. Let's just jump right into it. There's, you know, uh, everybody's seen this, I think. It's been on the Home Assistant front page, so on Google to remove the Works with Nest program. So this is something I, personally I have an issue with. And, and it's funny because uh, we, Phil and I were chatting offline and, you know, I was just saying when, when I did another YouTube recording, you know, I was talking about, hey, you know, I love my, I love the Nest thermostats that I have, the Nest Protects, and, you know, it's it's great, blah, blah, blah. And then half an hour later, I found out that uh, that this program is going away. So essentially what this means is Google is basically restricting their API to only themselves, <laughs> aka they're essentially removing their open APIs, and uh, all the Nest accounts will be moved over to Google accounts and you know, third-party integrations like IFTTT, Home Assistant, and, you know, pretty much everything else will stop working. So I have a problem with this personally, um, again, as somebody that owns two Nest Protects. And, and, you know, so now they want to be the hub of the home. And, and essentially, so in their mind, they say, okay, you can integrate with us rather than us integrating with you. And so what really strikes me here is that you know, they've they've scrapped this open API and they're moving everything to works with Google Assistant, but they're only allowing certain services and, and companies to be certified to work with Google Assistant. So, you know, I think the this really gives Google that sort of gatekeeper of who is good enough to integrate with these Nest products. And so, you know, a little guy like Home Assistant that may not be able to afford a big licensing fee to Google to get access to that data may never be able to have a an official works with Google Assistant integration that is capable of getting access to this data. Yeah, exactly. And and that also means that you won't be able to access the data from your own home. So so for me, one of one of my things that I, you know, believe in largely is I, I hate having more apps than I need to on my phone. So all of these different apps, I try and consolidate down to the Home Assistant app. And unless I really need to, you know, see my Nest Protect or something like that, I've got Home Assistant to the point where, you know, it'll alert me and so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I shouldn't need to use their app, right? And, yes, great. And, and, and so so, so th- this this one hits me on so many levels and... It's just, it's really disappointing. And, you know, I, I, so a part of me expected more from Google, but I guess, you know, here we are, right? Um, I was reading a, a comment in maybe it was the Home Automation subreddit. Uh, someone was saying that, you know, uh, the Nest app, because with your thermostat, you can go back, I think it's in the past year and view mm-hmm. all your data and, you know, your away home times and how your home's been, you know, efficient at heating and cooling. You can only do that for the past 12 months, but with the current Works with Nest program, you could use uh, IFTT or IFT to put that into a Google spreadsheet. And so then, you know, people might have, you know, Nest thermostats for the past five years and they might be able to, you know, do some cool, you know, spreadsheet mm-hmm. magic and say, you know, this summer, how well did my, how efficient was I at cooling the home compared to the last four or five years? But now you won't be able to access your own data from your own house because Google's effectively, you know, restricting your access to your own data and one of the the funny thing is that you know this is a big this has happened because google's got a bit of been in a bit of trouble for privacy recently and they're sort of using this as their hey you know we're we're protecting your privacy by making things more secure they're also 
locking you out of using your own data. And and someone, yeah. uh, I think uh, one of the journalists asked someone from uh, Google, hey, does that mean you're going to use, you know, Nest uh, data for advertising? And the Google employee said, no, no, we will never, ever use Nest data for, uh, you know, advertising. You know, we won't use that data at all. And uh, one of the Google public relations people had to quickly stand up and correct him and say, look, yes, but we can never say never in this circumstance, which, you know, just goes to show that Google's, you know, remember when Google's philosophy used to be don't be evil? And, you know, I used to use Google Inbox, and I'm sure a lot of people have... uh, had other services that have been killed off by Google. So I'm a bit salty still on Google at the moment, and this has just really rubbed some more salt in there for me. So, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. When, when Google says, don't be evil, I don't think that exists anymore. Yeah, which is, which is really unfortunate. And, 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 and the second one, I, I actually didn't hear about until like 20 minutes ago. Yeah, so this is one that uh, snuck in for me as well. So if you are the owner of a Philips Hue V1 bridge, uh, so that's the original Philips Hue bridge, it's the round one, not the square one that comes with, uh, which is the one that supports Apple HomeKit, uh, they will be removing cloud support for those bridges uh, effectively April 30th, 2020. And from uh, April 29th, so this has already passed, there is going to be no new features or enhancements added to those bridges and only security updates are going to be pushed out. I know a lot of people, even um, looking at the Home Assistant onboarding stuff, you know, that uses the the whole, you know, when you need to press the Philips Hue button, that's a version one bridge on that little icon there. So, you know, it's pretty sentimental to me. Uh, But yes, so Philips Hue are, are shutting that down. The version one hub was released over five years ago. But I know it's, you know, very, like it's got to be out there. I don't think that I've had never needed to upgrade to a version 2 bridge. So I'm sure there's a lot of people still using a, a V1 bridge out there. So what that'll mean is uh, from uh, the end of April next year, you will not be able to use uh, any cloud-connected services. So you won't be able to control your Philips Hue uh, light bulbs out of the house. You'll have to be on the local Wi-Fi. And that also means a voice assistance. So Google Home and Amazon Echo are also being removed from that compatibility yeah so so i i I, i'm a bit torn on this one so i i i I do get at some point you got to deprecate hardware Um, Mm, right that's right i i work in technology i mean i i i do this for a living um where i design and sell technology right so so I, i i do get that part of it but the other side of it is too especially the more consumer side of the house it's a lot harder to, it's a lot less palatable, right? When you're, when mm. you're selling to companies that make billions of dollars and you say, Hey, you got to upgrade some stuff. They get upset, right? Uh, let alone billions of consumers that don't necessarily make billions of dollars each. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, sometimes people just want little things and, and, and which is fine. So at least I, I appreciate that Phillips is saying, Hey, you know what? Fine. We're going to kill the cloud connectivity piece because, again, there I, I get that there is a cost to them associated with that. But they still have uh, to maintain it for the version two hub, though. It's not like right. they don't have that ongoing cost. Well, exactly, right? And 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 that's exactly it, right? And and so you know, I'm I'm sure they'll play it off as well. You know, we want everybody to upgrade to the version two or or you know, let's say tomorrow version three, four, five, whatever. Mm. Because, you know, we want everybody to have that latest and greatest thing and hear it so much better and blah, blah, blah. But the downside is, well, great, but not everybody can afford that, right? And 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 that's the piece that they're not necessarily seeing. So, But with that said, I, I, I will say I do appreciate that they're not breaking the box, right? Like, uh, like Logitech wanted to do, uh, or actually they did. With one of the, yeah, not the Harmony Hub, but they had a, an older version that they... Yeah, yeah, like a version zero or for that, yeah. or whatever, whatever or, that was. Or, or Google with the Revolve Hub that yep. just created them as paperweights. So, yep, exactly. So, so I mean, I mean, thank you guys for not doing that. I mean, I'm not saying this is ideal, but you know, I again, I'm a bit torn, right? And and hmm. I I do agree that you're still going to be. It's not that you're killing the service. Now, I I don't know back end if it's you know it's completely separate. Uh, cloud instances that are spun up for v1 v1 versus v2 versus you know what have you maybe maybe that's the case i don't know but yeah 
I, I don't disagree with you though, Phil. It's you're 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 mm. going to be running this stuff anyways, so why not keep it, right? So yeah, and just to confirm, like all the light bulbs are still compatible. So uh, even if you have a Philips, like so, what I did, and luckily this won't affect me anymore. I moved over to Zigbee to MQTT. Yeah. Uh, so that's all. So now Home Assistant exposes those to the voice assistant. So yeah, I don't have to worry about the the hub. But the light bulbs, if you've bought Philips here light bulbs, they are all still supported. Um, you can just get a new bridge, I guess, and pay it that way. Yeah, and and you know, hopefully this doesn't affect people too much. And or maybe you know, I'm I'm hoping they do something like I mean, at the end of the day, after the whole PR nightmare that Logitech had, they basically said. Mm okay, you know what, bring in the old hubs and we'll exchange it and give you some credit or give it, give you a new one for free or wh- whatever it is, right? They had, they had some kind of scheme there to say, yeah, okay, here's a trade-in program, right? So, so hopefully Phillips can do something like that. If not, hopefully the community can pressure them to do something like that, right? Because <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see that. Uh, and, and, you know, it, great, you're breaking something, then, you know, at least give me a discount for the new one, right? At, at least make it a little more palatable than me having to start again. And to me, the biggest pain out of all of this is, you know, I, I mean, I don't personally, I don't have any Philips Hughes, but if I go from a V1 hub to a V2 hub, I have to go to every light bulb and resynchronize it unless unless Philips has a migration oh, method in there. I, 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 and may, I, maybe they do, Phil. I don't know. I mean, you, you have Hughes. I don't think Zigbee works that way. I, I didn't think I mean, so. There either. may be a way. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Pretty sure I've had to reset my Zigbee to MQTT a few times, and it is a, yeah. a right pain in the bum having to walk around and reset everything. So, yeah, that's another. Yeah. Especially those that might have, you know, reached. I, I remember seeing some crazy people on uh, some Reddit threads that have already exceeded the maximum 50 light bulbs of Philips Hue products yeah. on B1 bridges. So, um, there's got to be at least, you know, two or three people out there that are going to have to reset over 100 light bulbs when this comes in if they want to keep yeah. that voice connection. But, yeah, and and that's not the easiest yeah. task to achieve, right, Sometimes, especially if it's in, <laughs> if you've got a house with high ceilings and things like that and your light bulbs mm-hmm. are up in the ceiling, well, have fun, right? Good luck. <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. So. But onto some happier news, I think. That's right. Some home assistant updates came out, and uh, so Paulus has moved away from Ubiquity. He's now employee number two at Nebucasa. Uh, this will give Paulus and Pascal complete independence and autonomy to work full-time on home assistant. So I think that is very good for home assistant and sort of uh, protects home assistant as well, not being dependent on a on a third party as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and the second point's uh, interesting because, I mean, Phil, I think you and I have both been asked this a couple of times um or or there's a lot of people that were kind of guesstimating hey you know we're we're up at the dot nine x releases is is when are we going to see a 1.0 release um so so in a recent blog post uh that paulus made they're working towards 1.0 to be released by the end of 2019 that's awesome yeah so so i that means i don't i mean that's almost 100 percent that uh, i know i know there were quite a few theories out there about okay well you know it's after 0.99 are they just going to do 1.0 and then go on and so forth that's not going to be the case i don't think um, yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll have at least a few releases in the 100 series yeah and and, and thinking about it it which makes sense because a 1.0 release i mean for, for those that don't know typical software versioning numbers and things like that a 1.0 release would imply that this is a polished kind of uh mm first release of all of the stuff that uh you know this is this is usable and consumable by the general public and and i mean i I don't i don't know if home assistant is there yet in terms of saying that i think i think it's very close i don't know if it's there a version it's still version one as well it's not like there won't be a version two or or a 1.1 or something it is still going to be it's not like once you get 1.0 things just stop and i think a lot of people are sort of afraid of that might be the case you know once we get to 1.0 that's it you know home assistant's stable everyone walks away and goes home sort of thing i don't think that is the case (laughs) yeah no and 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 i mean again it is a open source community driven project so i mean i don't don't know if really that's possible at a at a a, Mm. for a project that's at this scale Um, because i think people will still be like okay well if you're not going to make a plugin for it i'll make a plugin for it and just you know chip away at uh, their computer and turn something out right and and then 
you know, do a PR and merge it back in, so on and so forth. So, so I, I, I don't see the home assistant community being, uh, or the, well, the, yeah, the entire community as a whole being like, all right, we're just going to stop. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And also, uh, if you've noticed this week, we are back uh, releasing the podcast in the same week as the Home Assistant releases landing. Uh, so 0.93 is also out the same day this podcast uh, comes out. Uh, so that's because uh, we finally got some clarity on a new release cycle for Home Assistant. So it is moving to a three-week release cycle. Uh, so the way it's going to work is uh, there will be a uh, two weeks of a Home Assistant beta uh, followed by a week break, which will have, you know, the, the release after that. And then once again, two weeks will kick off and then another week just sorting everything out. So I think that's going to give the developers, and, and Paul has already said to me privately, you know, this is giving us an extra week where they don't have to do any releases. There's no, because previously there was a beta on one week and then a release the next week. This gives them basically a whole week where they can just focus on just pure development and they're going to be able to knock out some features a lot faster. So I think that's a, a fair compromise and a, a good move by the team there. So that'll be interesting to see, like if the releases are going to get bigger, I'm tipping they will be. But Rohan, it really puts us in a bit of a, an awkward spot and I'm not, I'm not sure how uh, we want to, proceed either yeah so i mean and and again we've been asked this several <laughs> times uh phil and i were chatting about this about you know maybe just before we started this recording and you know i think i think what we're gonna do is we'll come up with a couple of options and we'll source it to you guys you guys help us make that decision one of the things that we i want to make sure we look at is you know uh what what does the community think is appropriate do we stay on this cycle? Do we change this, the cycle that we have right now? You know, and, and, and essentially see see where we go from there. Yeah. So we'll leave a, we'll create a poll with a couple of options on how you want to see. Do you prefer, you know, maybe the podcast coming out the week, the same day the release comes out so you can hear the release notes and all that? Or maybe you don't really care about the release notes and you just want to hear our awesome guests. So we will have options uh, in a poll and links will be in the show notes on haspodcast.io. You can yeah, so take a, a vote and let us know what you think. Yeah. Also, uh, some really cool stuff. Uh, so Peter, who is in uh, episode three, so uh, Peter does uh, a lot of the floor plan uh, modules and things like that. He's released a new floor plan Lovelace card for Home Assistant. So check that out. Uh, we'll post a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, that looks really cool, actually. He's done yeah. some awesome work. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, so... Uh, speaking of new release, 093 is here. We've got some new features. Uh, first of all, won't affect many people if you're already using Home Assistant, but new users of Home Assistant, or if you're setting up a new instance of Home Assistant, there's a brand new onboarding process, which is going to make it a lot simpler. So previously, if you were to install Home Assistant, you would just enter your name, set up a username and password. Uh, now, once you've done that, it will then take you to the next uh, screen. We'll then prompt you to set up any devices that have been discovered on your network. So if it's discovered a Philips Hue device, there'll be a card welcoming you to, hey, you need to set up Philips Hue. This is the instructions to do it. Make sure you've got a V2 bridge, yada, yada. And also if it finds anything like a Google Cast on your network, it'll prompt you for that. And this is once again heading towards that version 1.0 where it needs to be simple and, and easy for new users to come on board. So yeah, some great work being done on the UI for that. Yeah, and 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 it's funny because uh, this is actually something I was talking about in a YouTube recording that I was doing, and you know, talking about hey, you know, things need to be more wizard driven, and things need to, mm. you know, yeah, because at the end of the day, if it's not intuitive, people aren't going to use it, right? That's right. Yep. So, um, and and as as you were saying that, uh, Phil, I was just watching the uh, the, the YouTube link that kind of walks through yeah. that process, and it actually looks really good. Uh, I, I think I think I think it's usable. Um, mm. Uh, you know, so from from a non techie perspective, but uh, but then again, I also always have a techie lens on, so take that with a grain of salt. But <laughs> but I think I think it's good, uh, and it's definitely a step forward. So you know, also uh, another uh, new feature this week is uh, the Meteo Alarm or Meteo Alarm. It's a new binary sensor which can be used for uh, weather alerts in Europe. So there you go. Nice. Mm. Yeah. 
And uh, also in Europe, uh, Ascent Energy, which is a Danish energy company. Uh, someone's found a way to integrate them. Uh, they've got a, an undocumented API. So if you want to get some energy statistics uh, or usage into Home Assistant and use uh, that provider, uh, there's now a component for that in Home Assistant. And more environmental-related features this week, uh, AmbiClimate, which is a AC controller. Uh, so it's for air conditioner, similar to Sensibo and Tado. They say it's powered by artificial intelligence, which, cool. Uh, <laughs> Everything's <laughs> powered by that, though. Yeah, right, exactly, right. exactly. <laughs> so so now that can be uh, controlled with Home Assistant. So if, you, if you're on the AmbiClimate uh, uh, system, then there you go. Bring it in. Or if you're in the market for one of those and you didn't know it existed, because I didn't know it existed until, once again, looking at the Home Assistant release notes. There you go. There you go. Google it and then uh, and then see if you like it. That's it. And some breaking changes. Uh, we've got the pollen sensor has uh, been renamed. So Aaron Batch, who's been doing some awesome work on all the pollen stuff, uh, is expanding the pollen sensors. Um, to, so in the future, there might be actually more providers so uh, this one uh, has been renamed from Pollen. It's to Equivia, I-Q-V-I-A. Uh, so if you're using the Pollen sensor, you'll have to go ahead and just update your config for that. Interesting. So another break and change. Uh, the Nmap sensor will now add leading zeros for non-Linux systems. So what that means is basically if you're on Mac or Windows uh, and use the Nmap sensor, essentially it'll add leading zeros to parts of the Mac address. Um, so what that does is it makes sure that's consistency between different configurations, uh, or sorry, for if you're sharing configurations between multiple different types of systems. Really, it should only affect Mac users where the entity IDs are generated from Nmap, uh, which may change. So, yeah, yeah. that's fair. Uh, and the final one we're going to mention today, there are a couple of others, but this one I think is an important one because it affects me and other Sonos users. If you are a Sonos uh, user, the Sonos-specific services have been moved out of the media player component and then moved over to the Sonos component, which I think is a very good move. So now, for example, if you wanted to, uh, for example, set the sleep timer, instead of calling media player Sonos sleep timer, there'll actually be a Sonos set sleep timer service that you can use instead. And along with that, which I think we mentioned a couple of releases ago as well, the, any calls to those Sonos-specific services will now require an entity ID. Previously, they didn't, and they will just target all Sonos players in your home. Uh, you now, if you want to specify everything, you'll need to specify that entity ID as all, just to make it a bit more secure. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though, is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored. So you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Yeah, Peter, this is your yeah. time to, to shine. Good so, evening, uh, once again, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. So, Peter, I guess um, you've got a, a pretty interesting use case for, for Home Assistant, and I guess I'll let you explain. So, first of all, uh, how long have you been using Home Assistant for and home automation in general? Um, look, uh, I've been playing with uh, Home Assistant for about 18 months, Um at one stage, it, it was something to start tinker, tinkering with. I went and bought a Google Home Mini and yep. um, and a, a LIFX or Lifix Lightglow for a particular reason. And uh, but I've, I've played with automation of both home and my work related. I'm an electrician by trade, so I've done automation right through my adult career. So uh, in productions, in mines, and whatever. So wow. Yeah, 
it it um it gives me something to tinker with at home, you might say. Yeah, sure. sure. So 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 you you really like what you do, so you're decided to do it at home as well as at work, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I have a different. I, I suppose uh, in the last few months, I've actually not not changed careers. I get sick of doing what I do at work every now and then. Yeah. And uh, I've gone a different way now, but I've also but then uh, I'm working in a in a crane industry. So, um, but I've I've managed to come up with an idea just in the last couple of days how I can how I can use uh, Home Assistant, even in that regards by uh, monitoring my location uh, with me tracking and then reading the weather reports for that location as a change and sending me wind alarms. As you can imagine, uh, oh. you don't want. Yeah. So you, you, you can build it really. You can build automation, be it home uh, or you, you can use it in in any situation if you if you wish you know it's it's not i don't sort of think it replaces uh people it it, it tries to make your life easier right to be honest so, there peter i am a bit disappointed i was expecting to be talking in a couple of releases about how you've automated a crane and we'll be having that component in home assistant <laughs> um yeah let's not go there well, I a lot of the building cranes uh actually are remote controlled these days so they're halfway there I don't really think you uh, perhaps yeah there's, there's there's some scenarios I suppose you can imagine and <laughs> that would provide a bit of difficulty but anyway mm. yeah. but um, let's cover what you what you you brought up Phil yes uh, the other person in, or there's two other people in the house but the, the reason why a lot of my stuff is done is uh, the other adult in the house has what are called disassociated identity disorder or what used to be known as multiple personality disorder. Mm. So uh, that gives it, I, I don't call it problems. It's not actually problems. It gives you unique situations. Yeah. So mm. that that's more why, we, why we've got into it a bit heavier than uh, other than me sitting there and tinkering. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's interesting. So, 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 so can you, can you talk about that a little bit if that's okay? Yeah. I mean, what, yeah. what kind of, what, what kind of, uh... I'll, I'll, for a lot of people, the simplest, explanation or the the best way is or the best one we use here when we sort of um come out about it or you know is there was a show uh, created called the united states of tara uh, okay. starring tony collette and um it was a series it was a tv show i think it was two series that's what the that is what um she suffers from and mm-hmm. in her case um she has in excess of 10 personalities so you have what what I suppose we call and and I'm no expert and I and I don't mean to offend anyone or you know different people have different opinions. Uh, we call it the host. So I suppose the the body that was physically born is the best way of describing it. Yeah. And then um, in her case, uh, she's suffered some traumas, and it was explained to us that that the brain comes up to that trauma. The trauma happens and it doesn't want to deal with it, so it creates another personality and you sort of lose that or you don't lose it, but you're off you go. So, um, And we can relate back to a lot of the individual traumas. So right. the way I describe it to people is if you had, I don't know what you know, what the equivalent of twins is, quadruplets after 10, but if you had 10 or in excess of 10 identical people standing there side by side, that's effectively what you've got. Everyone has its own personalities. Everyone has its own unique, you know, walking, talking, mannerisms, age and everything like that, or certainly in our case anyway. Right. right yeah, right. and so I guess that's – and this is really while your your use case for Home Assistant becomes really unique because for, for you, you know, you're using Home Assistant as a, a very serious part of your home. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Phil. And as the – you know, like um, – it was initially described as uh, you have a bad memory. Well, we've kind of, in our case, we've proven uh, through a different, or we're assured that um, that we don't have a bad memory, but it's one personality does something and then for whatever reason they change to another personality. If the other personality wasn't present or wasn't in any way in focus, may not have known the previous personality has done something. So we'll just give you an example as... as um, one of them goes out and, and puts washing in the washing machine 
comes back in, washing is going, may sit down, have a cup of tea, whatever, changes personality. The next personality may not know that washing machine is going. Right. So, therefore, the washing finishes. Um, it may sit there till the end of the day or till someone goes out and realises it's sitting there because mm. it's like your, your brother or your sister not telling you what they've done and you're expecting it to know. So, yes, it does give us uh, – it's not – we don't say it's problems. It's, as I, I like to describe it as unique situations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's sort of and, – and you've just used like a, the washing as a – pretty you know standard uh, possibility yeah. but i guess there's there's some obviously there's some serious ones you know did you know the, the door get locked or you know have i left exactly. the oven on or the kettle and yes. you know a lot of people without right. these you know multiple personalities would have the exact same yes yes and, and we can we can we'll come to the door locking uh door locking one is um one in our case you know one of them has ocd or suffers from a, a slight case of ocd so getting out of the house is walking out of the house. I oh, know have a lock the door. So, so if yeah. you're getting them off personality, just think, think of the OCD part of it. So we've done things. Um, I'm waiting. Uh, I've got to say I'm waiting to put some funds together, put the electric lock on. But yes, when she walks away from the house, um, it turns off everything in the house. We've got a, about a fifty metre radius because any inside that she's coming back. But outside that, yes, it turns everything off. All the lights are off. The heaters off. And uh, yeah, the, the door sensors, etc. But eventually, we'll we'll put a um, you know like a electric lock on the door that'll actually lock it. Yeah. So yeah, it, it it's um, ways of of dealing with unique situations that can be, I believe, can be spread across uh, you know like individual you know situations that everyone suffers. So absolutely, yeah. So 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 how how what kind of like when you're when you're designing for something like this, what kind of design considerations do you have to take? Like so one of the things you mentioned was when when the person might start a task and then again uh, comes back and has no idea about the the task that started because again now uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the correct terminology is. I guess the different personality has kind of taken yeah. over, right? Yep. Uh, so so how do you deal with that? So one of the things you mentioned is so. Yeah, so what we do, Rowan, is um, we sort of look at the. I suppose it's it's we don't sit there and sort of hard code the problem in, in a sense. You you play with the problem over it. You know, it's just different things we've picked up, and then you think, well, what's what is the actual problem? And you, and you work for that. So the problem is that the washing sits there. So we'll use that one as an example. So we come up with well, uh, we either need to tell every personality or everyone or whatever. In our case, that the washing's on, which isn't practical. So we detect that we do it the other way. We detect that the washing machine is running. Um, that triggers a, in, in home system, that triggers an in-bull. Yeah. And from there, uh, once it's finished, it's detected as being finished, just every now and then it announces there's washing in the washing machine. And from that, as soon as someone takes it out, doesn't matter who takes it out, they use uh, voice command back, you know, washing gone. And that clears inbuilt. So, okay, you, you you just you look at your problem. I suppose it's like it's like you uh, in a technical sense, or you know, you just look at your problem. Work. I work backwards. Yeah. So 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 it's, so it's almost like you have to train the person multiple times, um, and 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 kind of say, okay, you know, say wash done or like yeah. that, that kind of a thing, right? And yeah. Then, well, it's certainly in our case, it doesn't. You you. you you either have to train everyone, which that doesn't work because it's not really recommended that you, in my case, I can actually uh, get them to change personalities, but that's not a recommended way, so we don't do that. Yeah. So uh, we just make it that everyone knows, yeah, as, as we yeah. talk to each one, it's a simple message um, and they all understand it. So it sort of works for them. It doesn't mean that, that I don't have to hand the washing out, though. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's it's it makes sense, right? I mean, the analogy you used earlier was let's say you have ten uh, identical, I guess, deck duplets. Is that yes, what yes, something. Yes, right, right. You you would have to you'd have to teach all ten to say, "Hey, wash done," right? So, so yes. same way, it's you're. So, so I mean, that makes perfect sense. How do you how do you achieve one of the things you you talked about is you said, okay, well, you know, when they leave the house, you got to make sure the door is locked, and and so so how do you how do you achieve that presence of hey, this person has. 
exited the house and, 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 you know, whether alone or, uh, together with somebody or how, how do you, how do you achieve that presence in your well, place? Um, let's go back to any automation and, and any industrial domestic, everything gets broken. So yeah. I, I, I refuse to tell anyone that everything's perfect. It'll, something will always break. So agree. In our case, what we what we do, the best we've done so far is we use um, a combination of uh, Google mapping or Google, you know, using Google tracking. Um, yep. We use GPS logger. My and apologies. Just, I don't there, understand. There goes the Google in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I forgot about that one. And uh, then <laughs> when she walks away from the house, we do, I, I do most of my uh, automations in Node-RED. So as, as an add-on, so um, we just look for certain logics, you know, like that the doors are closed, there's no detection inside. As I say, um, we will put a, uh, certainly on, on the one main entrance door, we'll put an electric lock on there because another thing is people walk out and sometimes don't take their keys. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. So, so everything's, you, sometimes you're combining a lot of problems in, into one and nothing's perfect, nothing but... It's not as bad as it sounds. If 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 you look at it overall, it, it, and we have a bit, of, you've got to have some fun with it. You don't take life too seriously, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, I mean, in in my eyes, it's just different design considerations, right? It's uh, exactly. Uh, again, it's it's like you said. It's like it's like having multiple of the yes. same person, right? And, yes. And, so if you forget it's the same body, you just all you do is imagine ten people, yeah. or in, ex, in excess of ten people. So um, and if so, you, if if you looked at it like a school, if you had a room full of school children, um, yeah, um, you know, getting them all to interact and and whatever is is what you look at. But that's in our case. But there's you know there's um, other people with with bigger problems and all that that. That yeah, using using design solutions and whatever won't cure a problem, but it makes life a little bit more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and and like you said, you've got to you've got to look at the you know look at it in the, from a fun fun perspective as well, right? I mean, it's uh, it kind of gets your creative juices flowing, and to say, okay, you know, how can I, you know, we've we've got a challenge. How can I tackle that challenge, and how can I solve the problem, right? And, yes, and I, so- I, I think that's a great perspective to to take they sometimes don't like how i i um come up with some of the solutions i've got um reveille uh the bugle call of reveille if it detects both uh, the other two people asleep um before school which they it'll play reveille to get them out of bed so they don't think that's such a good idea but it works <laughs> <laughs> right so, so out of out of out of all these automations and things like that, what's your uh, what's your favorite uh, favorite one uh, Look, you personally are, are either proud of? Yeah, or, no, or... Um, there's there's uh, a couple, but the the one that that we've actually uh, used quite a bit, and and it actually proved that it does work is I use uh, a surveillance system uh, because the same person went through some some domestic violence, let's just say that. So we have a surveillance system on the place and I use, and I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'll, I'll uh, say Exuma, which is spelled X-E-O-M-A, uh, and it, there is a plug-in uh, for, to display the camera for um, Home Assistant. Yep. But what we do is um, we use him for the movement. We pick up the movement detection out the front and we randomise uh, a delay before the front lights come on and then how long the lights stay on for. So it actually looks like someone's gotten, gotten up, gone and turned the lights on, oh. had a bit of a look. Mm. And um, we know it works because uh, one of the neighbours uh, in a couple of, you know, a couple of months, a month or so ago had a bit of a scuffle out in the street and we got woken up because the lights come on. So we thought the screaming and yelling had woken us up. But... Uh, Within the fact that it was the camera system that triggered it, so yeah, that one was wow. that. Yeah, it just gives the appearance of um, randomization, if you like. Yeah, it's 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 almost like Home Alone if you've ever watched uh, watched the movie. <laughs> it is very much like that, actually. Yeah, very much like that. <laughs> right. We also have uh, the recording of of uh, five various 
different sounding dogs um, that, yep. that get triggered. So, yes, yeah, so now that you mentioned the Home Alone, it is very Full much like that. Alone. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So have you, with those cameras, have you done detection like it needs to find a human in the picture or is it just purely on motion if they detect any form of motion to the lights? At the, at the moment, we're just using um, the motion with minimum and maximum size and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, again, I don't think uh, – uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, the, of that particular piece of um, software – uh, it's very yeah, the TensorFlow. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, very uh, configurable, but um, yes, it does actually have face detection and everything in it, and human detection, object detection. But I thought, no, I, I went off and tinkered with something else before I got back to that one. So it's still in yep. the cards. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. And so you mentioned before you've got you know LifeX. Are you using uh, anything else? So like. Z-Wave or any yeah, doorbells or got, anything? Um, yeah, we use uh, um, the link, uh, the um, ring doorbell. Mm-hmm. We um, and then we use we we did try uh, and it's not we did try a TP link uh, like Globe just as an experiment, but for whatever reason we we didn't have a huge amount of success with that. So I, I really like the um, LFX; they seem to go really well. Um, we use Filio uh, PIRs. As our uh, as our movement and uh, yeah. room temperature sensors, so and then as we'll have a combination of um, just uh, Echo Spots and and Google Minis, uh, but I tend to use the Google Minis as announcements. With sim- with Node Red, I find that the Google Minis are brilliant for announcements and playing MP3s and very easy. Mm-hmm. But the Echoes in our case seem to work better for voice inputs. Yeah, that's interesting, especially because, you know, Google's sort of seen as the king for for voice processing. Do you have your Amazon Echoes set to Australian English or using US English? Uh, I can't answer that. I don't know. I think I did try uh, changing them, but it, it, as I said, we, the, I originally bought the Google Mini and was quite happy with that, and I just thought I'd buy an Echo just to try it so I can do a comparison as I do with most things. And yeah. Um, I sort of then I've got I've got three of each I think, um, but the minis mounted in the I've got three D printed uh, ceiling mounts, so um, the, I I actually recessed them into the ceiling. Um, oh, that's cool. And uh, wow, and, and they sort of, yeah they look they look you know sort of fairly nice. They don't stand out, you know they don't stand out as a as an obstruction. Yeah, so yeah, not sitting somewhere on a coffee table in the middle of it's in the way all the time and yeah. So I went. Yeah. Uh, I sort of went looking for um, the echo ceiling mounts uh, a bit earlier tonight uh, to fill in a bit of time. So yeah, that's neat. That's uh, yeah. I got I got uh, I got some of those. Uh, so so the girlfriend I got her a couple of Google Home uh, Mini. So I got I got a couple of the wall mount. Uh, not the wall mount, but the wall plug. Uh, oh yes, like right, on the PowerPoint. Yeah, so it just goes right in, and it's like one unit, right? So um, yeah, it's it's just a lot. I I know exactly what you mean, though. It looks just so much neater and just so much cleaner than you know yeah. having a wire hanging out somewhere. And, <laughs> and, and so yeah, yeah. I'm guessing, Peter, for for your like home automation setup and or your, your smart home in general, you really need you know it to be reliable. And I guess coming back to you know at the start of the episode today, we were talking about you know Nest and and Philips you sort of breaking stuff. Do you have any concerns with your current setup of, you know, a, a cloud provider shutting something down in the, the future that could impact you? Or are you trying to uh, avoid those sort of things for that reason? That's an interesting point. Um, I won't mention uh, who, but in the recent, uh, in certainly the last two months, we have had an argument uh, with one of the um, major telcos, uh, major mm-hmm. suppliers, and in fact, we lost uh, all. Uh, I, mind you, I could have went and got a phone and hotspot and all that, but we lost what we would consider our normal internet for a, about nearly four weeks. And it, uh, it, yeah. yeah, it just pulled everything up, um, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, as I say, we're certainly not the worst, worst ones, um, but it, that's, to be honest, you can get around most things. But if you lose your internet connection, um, it in the current situation can pull 
uh, mostly everything. Um, yeah. you, oh, internally, internally it works, obviously, but you don't have your voice integration, uh, and there are ways of doing it. But um, as I say, you sort of plan for the worst and hope for the best. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm guessing, you know, and sort of like all you said, you know, so far you've got your, I mean, you had no internet, you've got your voice controls down, definitely. I mean, your ring doorbell would definitely be useless. You, that, and, so. and that's correct. And we, we rely on the ring doorbell um, for security. It means uh, uh, if, if nothing else, you don't have, obviously don't have to go to the door to open it. So uh, if yeah. someone is not feeling um, the, in the safest area, they're brilliant, be it ring or be it, who it doesn't really matter that the concept of it is a brilliant piece of equipment and um, it's so easy for anyone to set up on that. And uh, yeah, we use it, but yes, without the internet, the whole lot just pulled up. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't think you can um, future proof. I mean, companies are going to come and go. Obviously there's different, you know, there's ones that are going to outlast others, you know, but yeah, I personally, I don't tend to look at that. I just sort of, I use what's available at the time um, for the best best solution at the time. And then, you know, um, some of the things you, you just work out as it goes. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And as I say, I've been in breakdown, like I've been in productions and automation all my working career. So um, you just tend to, flow with it some days you put your hair out and uh you realize you've gone the wrong direction with equipment but yeah anyway yeah yeah so do you have any like have you got any wish lists that you you want to try and automate or, or problems that you're trying to to solve at the moment that you just uh, we're, we're sure of yet? yeah we're, we're looking as i said we're looking at the at, at the um at the front door yeah like or the main entrance door um mm. And then um, there's other things we've got ourselves uh, being, uh, uh, both of us, are, all of us here are, are country born, so we're used to having pets. So, yeah. um, you know, you think, okay, uh, how can I let the pet in the laundry and still be, provide a skewer house because you've got to, most places have a hallway or, or something. So um, I've come up with, the best I can come up with at the moment is a combination of uh uh, presence detection um, in that area um, with a perhaps an infrared beam uh, above animal height. So yeah, there's things, but our biggest thing at the moment is uh, I'd like to get a, a the electric lock for the front or for the for the main entrance, and and then that'll sort of give us the ability to check the doors or at least you know lock them, even if we get mm. uh, down the main street. You know, yeah. we can do it. So yeah, have you done much research into what like electric door lock you want? Or yeah, I, I'm a I'm um I'm a fan. Well, I haven't had much trouble. I like using Z Wave at the moment. Um, yeah, yep. yeah. So I think the I think it was the Yale one uh, mm. had a, had a combination of Z Wave. You could also have your mechanical. As I say, I'm I'm a believer in everything will break. So I like the Yale had a, also a manual key override. And yes. Yeah. yeah. The last thing you want is the batteries to run out. Well, I think the Yale one also has the ability you can carry an iPod. If your battery does go out, you can, it has exposed pins on the bottom. I think that was the one I was looking at, and you can pull yes. certainly one of them did, and you can put an volt battery on the bottom. But yeah, it, I I I know I go on, but everything will break. So the batteries will go flat. The the the, the Z wave will disappear, and the, and the you know, and it'll be. Bucketing down rain, so um, yeah, all at once. once, all at once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. It's always good to have that like kind of key override, right? To say, okay, you know, I know I've always got my key on me, and here we go, right? Yeah, it may set off the barking dogs and and ring the local um, <laughs> security companies, but at least you can get in. You can at least talk to them when they arrive. That's right. Uh, from the yeah. inside of the house. Yeah, you might be. You might leave the house again in handcuffs, but. That, that, that's, that's an afterwards problem. That's, that's, we can deal with that later. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Friends for life. So. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, and um, yeah, we, we've got we've got different things, and every day you sort of you you look for uh, something. But I'm a self-taught programmer. I've been programming um, in a sense. I'm, I'm fluent in Pas and uh, Pascal, and 
So I'm, I'm always looking uh, for something to challenge me. So nice. uh, that was one of the reasons I went to the Node Red. It's a little bit of a um, challenge and, and the JavaScript is a bit different. So, yeah, I'm always tinkering. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. So it, it's funny. Uh, Pascal is actually the very first language I learned. <laughs> I, I actually think I'm led to believe it was a, that it was developed as a teaching language. It, and um, I, I, I tried other ones, but I yeah, I'm, I can I'm fluent in that one. Yeah. Um, and and I enjoy it. So I tend to up until now I tend to write my own interfaces. Uh, I, I used to run house automation with the PLC with industrial PLC, which mm-hmm. is a bit of overkill, but. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah, that's what was laying around at the time. And then you you write your own interfaces um, because you're not trying to market it or you're not trying to, um, you know, make it for a thousand people. You tend to hard code it in yourself. So yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense. But uh, yeah, no, I just enjoy a challenge. Very cool. And you didn't find Home Assistant too much of a challenge then, setting it up and and all the YAML getting used to that. Uh, even now, I, I check my configs. I'm not I'm not super confident with it, but I'm a lot better. Um, I end up running two pies from one of the house to the other at one stage and had it talking between the two. And then just in recent, about three weeks ago, I um, I did an up, I rebuilt the or reloaded the system. Um, I did an upgrade. I think I went from because of that that uh, outage with the internet provider. I missed. Mm. I missed a few um, updates, so I don't know what broke it. I'm not; it's not a blame or anything like that. But it certainly didn't perform after I did the. Or I missed something, so I thought, "Oh well, here's the opportunity." Because uh, most coders will know that you tend to write as you're going. If you if you haven't got a set plan, you tend to write and you add to it and you add to it and you add to it and you end up with bits on there that you don't like, no longer use and whatever. So I thought, "Oh well, this is just a a." Um, a fresh install, and uh, we started again. I think everyone's been at that point somewhere. I definitely have. Yeah, so, I've been there a couple of times. Yeah, so you tend to you, you tend to streamline it, and you know where you, all the experiments and and um, the extra bits that you probably didn't need, but you've used to test. All sort of you can do it a lot quicker the second time, and then you start again. But uh, I've got to admit, I tell everyone to uh, back. You know, uh, back up the data on that. But guess what I didn't do. So uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so now, now I do it three times a day. I added this backup, added that backup. So yes, but uh, anyway, that's awesome. Well, Peter, thank you so much for sharing your story, and best of luck with your internet connection. And hopefully, you don't get any more outages. <laughs> or outages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah th- Thank, hey, this, this, too, this is super interesting, so thank you for sharing that, yeah. No worries. Thanks, Dylan. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, uh, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. Don't forget to vote on the poll in our show notes for when you want to get a fresh copy of the podcast. We'll keep the poll open for a couple of weeks. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics discussed, check out the show notes at caspodcast.io.